Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 144 with my friend, Laurel Day. Hi, guys. Happy October. I'm I'm actually pretty relieved September is over. September feels like such a transition month, right? Like it's not fall, but it's not summer. It's just like, you know what I mean? So happy that that's over with. Welcome to October. Let's really lean into some Halloween fall stuff. But we'll talk about that later because right now I want you guys to meet a friend of mine that I just met recently. So here's my friend, Laurel. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? Um, uh, I just realized I haven't hit record on anything, so I am uh, gonna hit record on this. Um, but hi. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm very excited about this. I was gonna leave these out and I put them in my fridge, but I, I don't. I don't know if you're into NA beers. So some of it, I wasn't a huge like beer drinker before, and I find it so funny now that I like like any beers or like the NA liquors and I taste them. And I'm like, this is gross. Just like I thought it was gross yeah. when I was drinking. Yeah. So like, that makes sense. Do I still need to drink something that I don't really like? Yeah. I, but uh, I have like, I like, I used to love like beach Coronas. So uh-huh. I have had like enjoyed some like light beers with a lime. Oh yeah. Have you had but, the NA Corona? No, I saw that they have oh that, but God. I haven't seen it anywhere. Like at stores that I go to. It's like in the last month that started showing up everywhere. Like, at Meyer and, and Target and everywhere. Um, I saw. I also look at Target. I didn't see it at our Meyer because I saw that it was out, and then I was like, "Oh, that would be perfect." But yeah, it's, I haven't seen it. Um, Corona and my wife doesn't, or my wife does drink. My wife doesn't sober. That's not a sentence. My, wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she Stella is her like favorite beer. She's not a big beer person, but she thinks Stella is is the bee's knees. And when they came out with a non alcoholic version. I barely got to try it because she like drank them all because it was mm-hmm. that that good. Um, and then Corona is the same way where we both drink the NA Corona like on a hot summer day after doing yard work and stuff like that. Nice. I'll have to see. I mean, it was probably a month ago when I checked Meyer, so maybe they have it now. But yeah. Um, hi. I so I normally start these out with how I know people, and I don't know you. <laughs> oh, is this going to be like a creepy internet story? No. Um, oh. It's okay. a creepy friend story. So I guess, yeah. You you tell me how you how you know me. Well, I know you. So my uh, my wife's best friend, um, one of my best friends, is Lauren Goodvich. Now Lauren Carroll, and you're married to their cousin, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Which we just talked about your husband because I talked to Ben last week. Oh, did you? <laughs> so. Um, I don't really know you, but Lauren s- said, Hey, you should like check out my, my friend Laurel. She's doing all the stuff. She's sober and like yada, yada, yada. And I started following you and, um, and you were doing a bunch of cool stuff. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's chat and see what's going on. And then I didn't hear from you for a little while. <laughs> when I, when I go see you for a year. 
Uh, it's wild to me how bad I am at social media, considering it's like the only way my business exists. Oh, yeah. I, and I'm just like so bad at it. I hate Facebook messages. Like I'm, believe it or not, I'm better at Instagram messages. Like when someone Facebook messages me, yeah. it might as well not exist. I have notifications turned on specifically for messaging because for that reason, because I'm like, mm. I should do that. But then I just, in my head, I'm like, by not having notifications on it's like a healthier relationship but i'm yeah. still on it do you feel like as much do you feel like you're not good at social media stuff or do you feel like you don't want to do social media stuff oh yeah probably i don't want to do it and i have this weird thing where i like don't want to immediately respond to people because then i feel like it makes me look bad like i'm on the internet all the time <laughs> so i like won't i'll get a message while i'm on it and I'll, like, the whole I'll world's on the internet all the time yeah i'm like oh. i'll respond to it later so it doesn't look like i'm so oh, like no and then i just never do oh. like that's how i operate don't want to look bad. thirsty <laughs> i know exactly i'm like i can't message this person back right away they'll think so that like, this is our our life um that they're gonna always get me immediately yeah, I feel like I would be good at social media if I had like a tween that followed me around and did all the crap for me. For I'm like, sure. I have this great idea. I was like, but do I want to record 15 videos and edit them into a funny TikTok? No, no, I don't. Yeah, I know. I really Same. Because I'll feel very guilty about all the other things I could have been doing with my time. Yeah. Um, and then it won't upload and you'll literally want to like kill somebody. Yeah. That you spent hours and hours doing it and then it didn't work. <laughs> Ah, social media. Yeah, um, I know. I want to. I want to get into all the stuff you're doing, and I just I listened to your your conversation with Annie Grace, which I'm Did still you? jealous about. And then I was like, wait, can I just sign up to do this? Um, I don't know, but yeah, I think you could. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, it's just cool because anybody anybody you can talk to that has influenced you in a substantial way and there's like that parasocial relationship um it's got to be a unique experience talking yeah. to them um especially about the topic that they for sure and with. no one would get no one really in my circle or life understood like what a big deal it was yeah, yeah besides sure. me you yeah. know I'm like it's Annie grace yeah. they're like who the fuck is that yeah talk to anyone in the sober circle they'll be like oh yeah, yeah for sure yeah um, but I want to go back in time before all of this. Okay. Wait, can I, do I, do you have to bleep out if I say a swear word? No, not at all. I swear oh. constantly. Okay, good. Um, I actually got feedback from my, about that. I did a summer series that ended, I don't know, technically it's ending right now. I don't know how time works in podcasts. Um, <laughs> but my wife, a couple episodes, she's like, sometimes it's hard to listen to you because you swear so much. <laughs> well... <laughs> Thanks for the feedback. Uh, when I go on <laughs> tangents, it just comes out. Um, but I, I want to go back to, you're in the west side of the state, west side of Michigan, mm -hmm. the the good side of the state, in my opinion. I agree. Um, but I'm over here. What Were you born out there? Yep. I was born in Plainwall. My husband was too. Okay. Um, and then now we live in Madawan, which is like 30 minutes. Plainwell sounds very homey, like black it and is. white movie. <laughs> Yeah, home of plain well ice cream, um, best ice cream in the world. Good to know. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should you should have some time. Have Lauren bring you back a half gallon. Yeah, but yeah, that's I spent my life there, and then <clears throat> yeah. Do you know anything about what are we are we podcasting right now, or this is we're still getting? We're each always other? podcasting. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, I'm just curious. Like, I like to kind of go through some form of a timeline that quickly gets lost. So yeah, born and raised plain well. 
Um, and what is childhood like? Do you have siblings? What do mom and dad do? Yep. Um, I have two older sisters okay. and a younger brother. Um, my oldest sister's in Detroit or a gross eel. And then uh, my brother and my other sister are down south in Florida and South Carolina. So my parents are still in Plainwell, so I'm like the closest to my parents. Um, I What's the age difference? Between we're all about two years apart. Oh, okay. So my oldest sister is 40 and then 38, 36, yeah. 34. Yeah. Your, your parents had a plan. <laughs> I guess. Or... <laughs> Yeah, I don't, or they didn't. Yeah, or they didn't. Kept, kept um, happening, yeah. Um, what did yes. your parents do when you were growing up? Um, my mom was like, had a lot of different jobs. She was like a stay-at-home mom who didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom, kind of, so kind of did a lot of different things. Um, and then my dad owned a furnace and air conditioning company. Okay. Well, HVAC so, such. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Both retired now. Well, actually, my mom works at Trader Joe's one day a week. Nice. Mm-hmm. Do they get a yeah. discount? Because that would be a sick job for a discount. They do, but my mom's like a rule follower, and you get a discount only for people that live under your roof. I'm like, oh my god! Like I lived yeah. under your roof for 19 years. Like yeah. no one's watching. That was the rule when I worked at Best Buy, and I don't think anyone actually cared because we'd, you know, we'd be buying like appliances for our family, and like you know what you pay me, you know I can't afford this appliance, right? Like, <laughs> yeah we're good well, some of her like employees who know me will be like oh i'll give you the discount i'm like mom your your co-workers are giving me the discount and you won't <laughs> give it to me like it's very annoying oh, but. tj's discount that's the dream life um it is. <laughs> i'm curious what role your your sibling order plays because you're one of two middle children then how does how yes. does that work out i don't know man i think i don't do therapy and i need to because i think i would like learn a lot yeah um do you know like as you get older and you realize like narratives that people said that you never really thought about yeah like i've realized that my siblings have all said on multiple accounts like like laurel gets away with anything or like laurel just you know says what she wants does what she wants i'm like i do well i, <laughs> like, I you said it? two older sisters mm -hmm. and then your younger is brother <laughs> brother yes so yeah, I mean, if I if I had to put on my little cap, well, just developmentally, I mean, I feel like you probably get treated like the youngest because you're the youngest of the three girls. Yeah. And then do you find yourself trying to, like, be the mediator between family members, too? or? Um, sometimes, I guess. Like, my older sister is, like, a bossy older sister. Yeah. And then my other middle sister, she's, like, a very, like, placating wants people pleaser quiet yeah. go with the she's flow. typical middle typical middle yeah. there. is that is that it <laughs> yeah and then i don't know what my brother is my brother's like another girl like he's very like sensitive <laughs> yeah. and just like all of us and probably by the time he was grown like no one was paying attention to him because they survived four kids and we're just kind of like whatever yeah oh i'm sure if you get away with a lot of stuff i'm sure he gets away with <laughs> everything yeah yeah um so what's any, any like major events in childhood before you get to the end of that road no i feel like we had a very you know happy nothing yeah. wild childhood yeah like you know, I feel like that's why I think I need therapy just so I can like uh, um, unearth some things that weren't happy, you know, because yeah. everyone's always like, oh, 
you know, it's a, my childhood. I'm like, I have nothing to say about my childhood, but like good things. Yeah. Which is not have. a bad thing. I, I think yeah. <laughs> a lot of times we get lost trying to, uh, almost like paint a different brush over, over our past. Cause you, you hear about, you know, trauma and like, Oh, repressed memories. And like, maybe something happened. I don't like, it could have just yeah. been fine. Um, like, oh, you have you have anxiety? Were you an anxious child? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, was I stressed about math tests? Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's things that are not necessarily like traumas that still shape how we function as as humans, um, which is always sure. a fun avenue to explore. Uh, but as far as so, when you get out of high school, is college like on the radar? Is that an expectation? Yep. I went to Grand Valley for four years, oh, and I then I, I went to college to, with a, I thought I was going to be like an attorney. I don't Ooh. know why I thought that, but like, I was like yeah, I'm, I'm going to be an attorney. And then I was taking political science classes, and I was just like bored out of my mind. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was told, I realized that you could go to law school with, with an undergrad that was different than political science. And so then I changed my major to criminal justice and thought I was still going to go to law school. And then I like loved the criminal justice classes. Um, what did so then you I changed... like about those? Like what was the draw there? Um, like the drama, the people, you know, yeah. like real life drama where it's yeah. like, Ooh, this is so interesting. And I kind of switched my thinking of like, okay, why would I want to like uphold the law after the fact? I'm not like an argumentative person or like, that doesn't excite me when I could just kind of like do it on the front lines and get in on like the excitement and the drama. So then I decided I was going to be a police officer probably like, all right. Yeah. Um, that kind of surprised everybody. Um, but then when I graduated college, I just didn't feel mature enough. Like, I think there's a lot of people who don't really care if yeah. they feel mature enough, mature enough. Like, I was like, how can I be a police officer? Like imposter I'm, syndrome or, that but also like my whole life consisted of like what bar night was happening during the week yeah. you know like tuesday through friday what bar was having the specials and i'm like yeah. and then I'm, I'm also gonna be a police officer like i feel like i had to give that up in yeah. order to be like a stand-up enforcer of the law yeah. which is not true <laughs> but in my like conscience i feel like that needs to happen yeah like you made your own little rules about to be a cop a b and c yeah, yeah it's be more responsible than I am. Um, so then I just kind of like had odd jobs and was like, I'm going to apply to a police academy when I'm like ready. Um, and then I did that in, geez, where does time go? Like 2012. Um, my sister lived down south already. And in Michigan, it was still, you would pay to go to a police academy. Like Grand Valley had their own police academy, but it was an extension of school. You'd have to pay. But down south, they would hire you to a police department and then pay for you to go through their academy. And you'd be like an employee getting paid to go through the academy. So I moved down south and went to um, Durham, North Carolina's police academy. Okay which I knew nothing about. Yeah. Um, I knew it as like Duke university, but everyone who lives down there is like Durham. It's like a high crime area. There's oh, great. Duke and then there's Durham. Yeah. And I didn't know any better. I was just like, Oh, my sister lives in Raleigh. 
I didn't get selected for Raleigh's program. So then I was like, I'll just do Durham. And I got selected and I did that. And then I was a cop there for three years. Wow. Yeah. And then um, I was a cop in Kalamazoo for like two. And then I had my first baby and didn't go back. So rewinding, um, cause you said your husband also grew up in Plainwell. Yes. When, when did you guys get so together? He was my boyfriend in eighth grade and then he broke up with me. Oh my God. Um, so I've known more in a long time and then like when we were middle schoolers, um, and then we were just kind of like friends through high school. And then we went to grand Valley together and we're still just friends. And then, you know, a couple of drunken makeouts and it was like, mm, are we just friends? I guess we're dating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was our end of our freshman year. Yeah. 2006 adorable isn't that crazy how long ago that was and what is he doing this whole time that you're, now well he's a cop when but you're then going yeah he was going to school to be a teacher one of those like i don't know what i'm gonna do maybe i'll be a gym teacher and a football coach yeah things so he went to school and got his education degree he was there for five years um and then he taught in kalamazoo and i went I always knew I wanted to get away from Michigan and he never wanted to get away from Michigan. You got to get out at some point. <laughs> I know. So like, I just kind of decided to bulldoze through and was like, I'm going to do my thing. And if you want to come with me, you can, and if you don't, then you don't. Yeah. So I moved and then eventually he moves down there too. and got a teaching job down there. And then while I was going through the Academy, um, I never really liked it. I was just like so anxious. Everything just felt like a chore. Everything felt kind of like scary and intimidating and wasn't like enjoyable. Yeah. But as I was doing it, I was like, Greg is my husband. I was like, you would literally love this. Like the role playing and like having these guys like come out in a big red man suit and you have to wrestle them or like the gun range, like all of that stuff. Like I was just tense all the time yeah. and stressed. And when I woke up in the morning, I was like, what's today going to be like? And I would tell him like, you would literally wake up in the morning and be like, I can't wait to go to the range today. I can't wait to do this training. And I hate it. So then Kalamazoo for the first time ever launched their hiring process of anyone could apply, which had never been the case. It was always, you have to have a degree, a police, you have to, um, have already gone to a police academy and then apply here. But they were like hurting for people and were like, anyone from any background can apply and we'll put you through our academy. So I was like, you should apply. Um, and eventually he did. And it was like a really long, strenuous process. And only a few people got selected and he kept getting selected and selected. And so then he got hired by Kalamazoo Public Safety while we were in North Carolina. Wow. So he moved back and we were like, okay, eventually I'll move back. And I did. And then I got a job with the township of Kalamazoo, which is a smaller department, just a little township within Kalamazoo. And then we were both cops for like a year before what we is, had a baby. What is that like? Like we're having one, uh, yeah. having one partner as, as an officer, that's gotta be like stressful in itself. Um, and then add in like both of you, I imagine they don't well, like pair you guys together and stuff. No. I, yeah. And we were at two different departments and, like now it seems very serendipitous and it all makes sense that like I did that so he could find it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't my calling. I wasn't meant to do it. He was Yeah. the second he got hired and was like released to the street. He was talking about retirement. And I remember being like, 
you can fix yourself retiring from this department. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I can't even like picture myself getting through this month. Like this is wild. And he knew it from day one that he loved it. And that's what he was going to do the rest of his career. And I was not that at all. So, and Mm -hmm. I knew too, after we had a baby that I was like, there's no way both of us can do this. And we didn't want that either. Yeah. That's, that's wild. That's, uh, I'm curious about the, like you wanted to be an attorney, but you say you don't really know where that came from initially. No, I really don't. I like can't, I mean, I was like in student Senate in, in high school and I would say like, probably this is like, I'm definitely just like shooting from the hip here. I've never really thought about it, but maybe like the authority of that, of just being kind of like a higher power of like having some control over things and being like looked up to and, you know, getting on the front end of making decisions when in school, it was kind of like, no one was really doing that. Yeah. And being like, Oh, we're doing this. And I'm the, I'm the president and I get to talk to these adults. Like I'm an adult kind of thing. There's some like level of status that, that, that like, yeah, probably. Yeah. And then like the attorney thing was just too much for me because I really don't like arguing or confrontation, which is probably why police work wasn't great for me either. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh well, cause the police thing, the way you described it, I was like, if there was like a, an interest in justice, right. And then that attorney yeah. makes sense. And then the police thing like feels like, Oh, I'll do that. Cause I can still affect it that way. Um, and, but you know, the hands-on stuff is, is obviously <laughs> more violent. So in the police academy, you have to like introduce yourself a million times because every time a new teacher comes in, they like want to know who you are and your background. Yeah. And everyone was always like, you know, I want to do this so I can like make a difference and serve the public. <laughs> like the first time I answered the question, I was like, this is so embarrassing. I never did it again. But I was like, um, I'm just like really nosy. And I like the idea of being able to like ask any question I want. Yeah. And they have to tell me like, you know, a domestic <laughs> dispute and they're fighting. And I'm like, so yeah what what happened here guys just like I'm a, I'm a little voyeuristic no big deal yeah <laughs> what's why. the story here oh okay so who's she like it was just yeah. there was you're never gonna get more information or be inside the thick of interesting things more than being a cop should have went to the cia i know <laughs> get to I be thought, behind I, the desk I and that still I learn to do all that, the things but that was way too much like oh i can't imagine and, yeah yeah. No, um, yeah, I wanted to do <clears throat> the Department of Justice for sure, but that was like a, a no with me and Greg because he didn't want to move anywhere and it, it could go, he had to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, you have three kids, two kids? Three kids. Three kids. Mm-hmm. So you said you left the police when you had your first kid. Um, what do those next however many years look like? So that was, she's going to be six in November. Um, it was, that was really difficult because pretty much I knew the second I started police work that I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, but I just worked so hard for it that it was like, what a waste, you know, like what else am I going to do? And every time I told someone I didn't want to do it, they were like, Oh, why don't you work at a juvenile home? Why don't you be a probation officer? And it was like, I literally want to do nothing. (laughs) in that genre like i can't 
deal with <laughs> the people being mean to me and I take everything personal and it's just a terrible, like, you can't take things personal and work in that industry of people having like the worst days of their life, yeah. you know? It just weighs on you. It was too much. So I kind of felt pigeonholed, like there was nothing else I could do. And randomly, the girl that I would get my lashes done and that, you know, like a normal hairdresser, I would just like tell her all my problems. And how about how I hated my job and I didn't know what I was going to do. And she was like, well, I need a manager here at the spa. Like, why don't you just quit police work after you're done with the baby and then come manage the spa for me? And I was like, okay. So I did that for probably a year and a half. And then I just kind of started saying yes to a lot of odd jobs. I had a friend who was like doing a startup mental health company, kind of like boutique therapy where it wasn't through insurance. It was just like the therapy. She was a therapist, but whatever therapy you needed, whether it was like walks outside or exercise or nutrition, like they would kind of create a plan for you. Okay. And she had started that and was like, I need kind of, a client concierge, someone to just send emails, keep contacts. So I did that. And then it just kind of opportunities kept coming from that networking, different things like that. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like you were learning different skills you were good at during all this? For sure. I don't think and it wasn't even so much like learning skills. It was like proving to myself that I had skills that could relate to many different arenas. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, Oh, I learning this. It was like, okay, in police work, I literally did everything. It just all was associated with police work, but there's no, like one of my neighbors was like, you've done sales before. Like you could talk people into going to jail willingly. Like there's no better salesman than that. Than like the person who can get someone to, who drops someone off at jail and they're like, thank you. See you later. Like you need to spin that as a sales role. So it was really learning that, like learning how my skills, skill set and my, the things that I've done related to different jobs or different opportunities. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that, what a what a great opportunity to have to get to do a bunch of different things to really hone in on what, like, what you're good at, what you like doing, like, and I don't know if you've done this, but like, accepting that those don't necessarily, those aren't necessarily the same things. Like, for sure, I was, I was personable and good at sales, but I hate selling and didn't ever want to do it. Um, yeah, I tried to get pushed into that position so many times. I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, but, but that's not like, I'm a huge advocate for that when people are like, I mean, I know it's so much harder, so much easier said than done. But like when people are like, I'm stuck in my job, I hate it, but there's nothing else I can do. I'm like, literally you have to quit your job and just do anything. Just any opportunity that comes your way, do it. And that's going to lead to something else. And that's going to lead to something else. And that's going to lead to something else. Yeah. Like the only way to make a change is to make a change. Like you can't, and there's no way you're going to see like I could have never saw where I'm at now yeah. at any previous point in my life. It was just like all of these saying yes to random things that didn't really make sense. Didn't really fit perfectly, yeah. but were an opportunity. Well, I'm curious about that. Cause you mentioned it with your husband thinking about retirement, like so early on and you were like, I don't even know like next week. Um, and I, I relate to that sentiment a lot. And I'm wondering if, that was or still 
I imagine still not. We'll get to sobriety in a minute. But like, was that a consistent thing where the future in general seemed a little like unclear? I got to live now because I like I don't know what that I don't know what that is. And was it like anxiety provoking to think about what it could be? Um, kind of. I mean, not the police work was just because I was like, I can't do this forever. And then like, yeah, when I went and managed a spa, I was like, I was getting paid what $16 an hour and dealing with like these 18 year old straight out of beauty school girls that were just, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this ain't it either. But I knew it was an opportunity. But when I worked for my friend for the mental health company, that was the first time that I was like, okay, there is something here that I really like that I can like picture leading, being a part of the rest of my life. Like I didn't know how, but that's where she would host some workshops, like, you know, a relationship workshop or a, I don't know, a nutrition workshop or something. And, um, that was where I hosted my first workshop and I don't know if we'll get to this, but my business now is that I host creative workshops all over. That's my full-time job. So that was like the first taste of like hosting a workshop for people and being like, Oh my God, this, this is amazing. It is not often that I am excited to bring an advertisement into the podcast, but guys, it has been so long since I've had an ad in here. And this feels like a great episode to drop back in One of my favorites, Bravis Brewing. I'm talking about non-alcoholic beer, and I'm talking about delicious stuff. We're we're talking the return of the peanut butter stout. It's back. It's back in stock. Go grab some. Go grab some other beers while you're at it. Bravis has really changed everything that they've done while keeping some of their great, uh, wonderful flavors. They have new branding. They, They have new IPAs. They have all sorts of fun stuff. So head over to bravus.com. That's B-R-A-V-U-S.com. You can use the code friend request to save 10% at checkout. One word, friend request. So head over to bravus.com and use friend request at checkout to save 10% on all your non-alcoholic beer needs. All right. I love you. Here's the episode. Where on the timeline does working at the mental health company coincide with getting sober? Um, before I got sober. Okay. So I wasn't sober yet. I wasn't sober until after I left that job and I actually got fired from that job and it was like super, um, like heartbreaking and like very odd. Um, a real mind fuck of like, I thought we were friends. And then I, w- I got really into the job. I was like, I love this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I don't know if that was like too much for her where she was like, Whoa, this is my, yeah, this is my business. Like yeah. just do what I tell you kind of thing. And I was like, what if we did this? What if we did this? I want to do this. Um, and kind of like downsized my role and basically fired me and I was like, whole, I was devastated. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is the first time I could picture myself somewhere forever. What did I do wrong? I thought I like loved it. Um, it made me feel like a bad person. Like, cause she was kind of like questioning how I operated. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I, I thought I was working so hard. I thought I was so dedicated to this. Um, and then I got a random sales job for a hospice company. Um, I was super like depressed, like, what am I going to do? 
And my neighbor was like, I work in healthcare, you get a job here. And she's the one who was like, you have sales experience, twist your, your stuff. And I got a job, a sales role for a hospice company. And one of the workshops I did at the mental health company um, was a wreath workshop. And we called it wreath relief because I taught myself how to make wreaths. And I was like, we should teach our clients this because it feels so good. It's so satisfying and gratifying. So after I got fired from there, everyone, a lot of my friends were like, are you going to do a wreath workshop? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm scared of like a non-compete. I don't know if I can. And they were like, fuck that. (laughs) Like, that's your workshop. You created it. We came there for you. Like, call up a venue and host your own wreath workshop. Like, fuck that place. This is your thing. You can do it. And I was like, okay. So I did. And um, that was the start of workshops. But that was 2020. I got fired from that job in January of 2020. I started the hospice company March of 2020. Oh, goodness. And then we got stuck at home. And it was supposed to be a sales job, like where you're out in the community meeting, like with hospital staff and nursing homes and like all the people that are not going to let you in the door right now. Yes, Giving people the gift of like hospice education. And then it was like, we were stuck at home making cold calls and I literally thought I was going to die. Yeah. I was like, this is terrible. I'm going to, I'm going to die here. And yeah, I didn't die, but then I, I didn't stop drinking until March of 2021. Okay. So let's, let's segue over to that. Um, okay. Cause, and I, and I apologize if you're repeating yourself. Cause like I said, I, I listened to the Annie Grace episode that you kind of told your story on, but if I remember you started drinking like towards the end of high school, mm-hmm. um, and I imagine it's plain well, small town, like that's just yeah. what you do Country, as, a, as town, a team. Yeah. yeah. Field, Field parties. parties. Yeah. yeah. Football <laughs> games. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Meeting in someone's backyard with a keg. Okay. Yeah. Same as it ever was. Um, yep. Yeah. So you mentioned though that like, did you start, you said you started blacking out like immediately? Yeah. Like one of the, the first few times I drank, like, I woke up in the morning and was just like, what happened? How did I get into my friend's bedroom at her house? Where were we? Like, just no recollection. And my friends being like, oh, you blacked out. I'm like, what's that? Like, yeah, you drink too much and you just don't remember how the night ended. And then you like took it on as kind of like a fun identity. (laughs) I just thought that that's how it went. You know, that like you drank until you couldn't drink anymore. Is like the point of drinking, you know, you're having a good time. You just drink and drink and drink. And I would drink and I'd black out. I just thought that was how it worked because it's not like we were like sipping a beer, you know, you were like doing keg stands, playing beer pong. And then I was never, I was never trying to black out. It was just kind of part of the process. But that continued on into college and. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, and probably in college, I still didn't mind it. It was almost like, haha, whatever, you know, this girl pukes and I black out, yeah. you know, and <clears throat> nothing like terrible would happen. Um, Greg was my boyfriend then. So it was like people were always taking care of me or like it was kind of known. Yeah. I don't know. It was like people would know Is when that- I was blacked out, like my face would kind of, you know, you're, just staring past people and they're like, oh, okay, let's get out of here. 
Well, that and that sticks out to me a little, just because. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm sober. I've blacked out plenty, uh, <laughs> but the. So I have a buddy. I'll, I'll put this in context, and he will like get a bunch of two hearted, and he'll like drink it while he plays video games, and then he'll find out that he went to bed at like six a.m. but doesn't remember anything past like one thirty. Um, and he's like, but you know, I just like sat there and played video, and nothing bad happened. And my pushback for that, and like, I guess just the scarier part of it is like, you don't really know that, do you? Like, <laughs> you know. Um, and don't get me wrong, we have these kind of like rules that are part of who we are that like 99% of the time we are not going to violate those values or whatever that you want to call them. Um, but when you have those chunks of time that you can't like account for, I feel it does make it like a little scary. Like you sure. can say like, thankfully nothing bad happened, but like hopefully nothing bad happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I think in college, like it didn't matter as much because you're just like young and dumb and it's yeah. like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And then even though plenty, but then as I got older, like I would be like, okay, the worst that could happen is a million asking things. Yeah. And I would start to get anxiety of like, what did happen? Yeah. Who did I talk to? Um, what did I say? Yeah. Those kinds of things. And I, I really hated it. And 3 so it would lessen. 3 a.m. shame spiraling. Yeah. Oh, not 3 a.m. because I was blacked out. It was like 6 a.m. I'm waking up feeling terrible. Like, oh, my God. Why can't I fucking remember what happens? You find yourself like going through your phone, seeing if. Yeah. Yeah. But then it was like I was such an avoider. Like people would come in and be like, oh, Lord. I'm like, don't, 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 don't. Yeah. Don't say it. I don't I don't want to fucking know. Keep it to yourself. And like I wouldn't let people tell me what happens. Yeah. It's a lot of, there's a lot of shame underneath that for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the impetus that's your, that like, you're like, Oh, I am not going to drink anymore. So I had like, I guess I just always thought I would stop blacking out. I thought it was something I could control. And so it became like something that would just like frustrate me and was something I'd like self-loathed about myself I was like why can't i control that yeah and i couldn't it, until i i just couldn't process in my head that it wasn't my fault you know or that it wasn't something i could fix yeah. like even to this day i probably still have moments where i'm like mm, like could i just be like a better more responsible drinker and i know that the answer is no but i still have moments in my head where i wonder but i um it was my girlfriend's um, birthday, and we went to. I'm kind of scared to share this. I haven't shared this before. I didn't share it on Annie Grace's okay. thing. <laughs> um, and we like went out just for like brunch, and yep. then brunch was like, let's stop, let's go to the Kalamazoo Mall and like get a drink on the mall. And then from there, I was like, let's go to a winery. Like, there's one right by my house. It was, like, literally supposed to just be brunch. There was a Michigan game. Greg's a huge Michigan fan. So I was like, I have to be home by 2 because the Michigan game starts or 1 or whatever. It's like, but I could pick up my kids, and then we can all go to the winery. So some of my friends picked up their kids, and we met at the winery, which is literally, like, a mile from my house. Um, And I got wasted and drove home with my kids. 
and my husband like hated my guts and the next morning i woke up and i was just like oh my god i can't believe i did that and like that was the time that i was like okay nothing bad has happened quote unquote like what has to happen for me to quit drinking i have to kill my kids i have to end up in jail i have to like literally kill somebody in order for me to be like, oh, I should quit drinking. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And then I was like, at that moment, I wasn't, it took me a week of like binging podcasts because I didn't know which direction to go. Yeah. I was like, do I need to go to AA? Do I need to like tell my family I have a problem? But it wasn't like it was happening every day. It was like, I had this terrible thing happen on Saturday. Yeah. I made terrible decisions. I never want to do that again. What's my next step? And I, it took a week of me binging podcasts, listening to Annie Grace and being like, give it a year. You don't have to go to AA, but if you're, if drinking is causing you a problem, you have a drinking problem and you probably shouldn't drink. Yeah. Yeah. People get real obsessed with the labels and, and trying to figure out like, Oh, do I call myself an alcoholic and like AA and, and do I have to like sit down with my friends and family and be like, listen, yeah, like I just, I didn't, um, I didn't know. I mean, it's more, it's more frustrating for me that drinking is the norm. <laughs> um, I know. Cause just like, Oh man. Uh, so then you, did you just decide I'm just going to not drink for a year and then. Yeah. It was like towards the end of that week after like, just marinating on it and listening to those. And like, I told Greg, I was like, I just, I know I should never drink again. I'm just still trying to work out what that looks like and what I need to do in order to make that happen. Yeah. And then it was like probably a couple of weeks of reading her book where I was like, I'm just, I'm going to give it a year. And I still didn't quite, I knew that I should never drink again, but I just wanted to do that. Like I'm going to give it a year and see what happens. So that way, when people ask me, it wasn't like, I'm never drinking again. I didn't have to go into like, I did this terrible thing and I can never drink again. It was like, I'm just, I don't have control of my drinking. It's caused more bad energy than good energy. I'm going to give it a year and see what happens. And probably like after three months, I was telling people that I'd probably never drink again. I was just like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever drink again. I know that I shouldn't. Yeah. Um, what kind of changes did you observe in yourself after those like three, six months? Um, I mean that I was so much better at like dealing with being uncomfortable and also that I'm probably not as like social as I thought I was, you know, like my social anxiety, like it was almost like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but like you would go somewhere or I'd go somewhere like a party or an event. And I could see like what my drinking self would be doing compared to like what I was doing. Yeah. I'd be like standing there and I'd be like watching these drunk girls over there. And I'm like, dude, drunk Laurel would be over there. Like, I love your shoes. What are you guys talking about? And I was just like standing there in the corner, like, I'm ready to fucking go. Like, so I could just see like, okay, maybe I'm not as like friendly and social and like bubbly outgoing as I want to be. And that's okay. Like, I don't have to walk in 
to this bar or this party or this event and like go up to everyone and be like, Hey, love your shoes. Yeah. Where? Oh my God. I know you from here. Like I can just wave to someone and like move on to the next. Yeah. And I just realized that it didn't fill me up to have meaningless social interactions, yeah. which before I thought that it did. It was like, what can we do tonight? What can we do this weekend? What can we do where we can socialize and have a drink? And now it's like, I don't, I don't need to socialize that much. Yeah. Um, and I, it's probably helpful that that happened during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Some, some people couldn't socialize that much. Um, I'm curious, like emotionally, did you find yourself like, I don't know, for back, lack of a better term, like feeling more? Um, or have you? <clears throat> Nothing like, like, I don't know that like immediately comes to mind, but I had, I had, I had started my business. So I started my business November of 2020 was my first workshop. And then I quit drinking March of 2020, 21. So like just the amount of energy I had to put into other things was yeah. insane. Like the way I was able to like build a business and exercise, like all of these things that just seemed impossible and would take up so much time like not just the time that was cleared out by eliminating alcohol but the energy yeah. i didn't even realize how much of my energy was going towards not just drinking but like thinking about drinking or planning events around drinking recovering or, from drink yeah recovering <laughs> from drinking what am i gonna drink yeah. where are we gonna go like just so much energy and that nothing else can happen when you're drinking you know like yeah. I can go out to breakfast with my family and then I can still do 20 things. Whereas if you go out to breakfast and have mimosas, you're doing nothing else that day. Same with like the night. Like if I'm going to happy hour, my Friday night is shot. Yeah. But if I go to happy hour now and I meet my friends until seven, I can still come home and like respond to emails or hang out with my kids or make a meal for tomorrow. Yeah. Like it's just, there's so much more time and energy without that how which much, is probably the biggest thing how much of that have you thought i mean i don't know if you've thought about this but is tied up with your your self-worth like removing that that shame aspect and and giving yourself more value and, and allowing yourself to do all that stuff yeah i i think i mean it's definitely clear that it's difficult i don't know for me but i think for like us in general for our society to like really appreciate and celebrate the things that you do yeah. because it like amazes me the things that I've done and the things that I'm continuing to do. And like, it's clear to me that, that it's possible because alcohol is not there, yeah. which it's not that one thing, you know, it's not like you're going to eliminate alcohol and everything's going to be perfect. But did you feel but that way about yourself? previously no <laughs> yeah. not at all yeah so it's like removing that just allowed so many different doors to open up yeah and like show you what you're capable of and show you how like yeah i'm i don't think i'm like the most confident person in the world but i definitely am confident that i'm capable of almost anything yeah. which i've never i had never felt that way before like it was always like i was trying to prove to myself that i was capable of things probably like the police academy, like that's probably like what I've learned in therapy. But like my whole life was like, I was doing kind of difficult things 
to prove to myself that I could. Yeah. Because I think from an outside perspective, people are probably like, dude, you've always done, you know, yeah. weird, hard things. Yeah. But for me, I think I was doing it to prove a point. And not to the outside world, but to me, like, okay, you're scared, but you can do it. And now it's like, I there's no question that if someone was like, could you do this? I'd be like, well, maybe I don't fucking want to. And I might be like scared shitless, but yeah, I can yeah. do it. Yeah, I, I keep thinking as you as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about like, so I I have some bad patterns of like negative self talk when I'm super frustrated with something, <laughs> like Justin, you fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> and I was talking to my therapist about it. And she's like, I I want you to try like do a, like a self love meditation, like five minute meditation every day. And I was like, but like thinking about doing that in the moment when I'm super frustrated and she's like, that's cause you have to like build that up. So then when that moment comes, it's already like in your head and ready to go. And when you think about those 6am shame spirals, like this regularity of what did I do? Oh, so stupid. Why did I do that? Blah, blah, blah. Going over and over and over and over again. You're training yourself to be like, no, I'm not good. Yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so removing just that. But then in addition to that, and like, I don't know how, how far down the rabbit hole you've dived um, as far as alcohol goes, but like alcohol and w people that don't drink problematically, just normal drinking levels, normal <laughs> in air quotes, um, is it numbs you like emotionally mm -hmm. numbs you. Even if you have, you know, like I have a couple glasses of wine every Friday and Saturday, like it's yeah. still you still will get those effects. And that's why I asked you about the like feelings, feeling more feeling because yeah. after usually about like six months, nine months, and a lot of women experience this alongside like pregnancy hormones, that kind of more emotional, um, experiential feelings. Um, that's why I was curious about that. But yeah, the, the self-worth aspect I imagine played a role in you being able to be like really grow your business and For believe sure. that you deserve to grow your business and that you can yeah. do things. So that's, that's exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> yeah. I uh, can't imagine. I mean, I can imagine what it would be like if I was still drinking. Cause I used to have like my events, I would supply wine and we'd go through like 10 bottles of wine. Yeah. It was like, not only it was eating my profit because I supply all this wine, yeah. but also like, totally not the reason for my business. My business is about like creative connection and purposeful doing and like nothing is connective or purposeful when you're wasted. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, and that, that's a, that's a good segue. Cause I want to make sure we talk about it. Like what, what is your business? What are you doing now? Tell everybody about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, my business is called do something lady. And it was just an Instagram account that I made in 2020 after I got the new job and was stuck at home. Yeah. Um, as like a space for me to share what I was doing. So it was like my internal dialogue of like, you can sit here and bitch about being stuck at home or you can do something lady and try to make yourself feel better. And it was like empowering myself that I had the ability to do something to make myself feel better. If I didn't like how I felt, I could do something about it. So I was just posting pictures of things that I was doing. That's when I started exercising again. Um, after having my kids, I just kind of fell off the wagon um, so I was like posting pictures of exercising, like eye roll worthy stuff, probably like cleaning my kitchen, making a flower arrangement, um, but people connected with it. And then I started like a zoom meeting that anyone could join on Thursday nights. 
and I would send out an email and sometimes there would be like up to 40 people. Um, and we would talk, we would start by making something. It usually was a cocktail. I would put out the cocktail recipe on my Instagram, uh, a recipe list of what they needed to buy, where they could get it from. And then we'd get on zoom, we'd make the cocktail together and then we'd go and share about our week. Each person would go around and share their peak and their pit of the week. And that went on for over a year and like people just kept coming and coming. And when I tried to like end it, people were like, what, what are we going to do? And I could just feel that it was like important and I was onto something like I couldn't really pinpoint it, but I'm like, this feels important. It feels like something people want. How can I continue it and develop it in like a more substantial way outside of zoom? Cause I was getting sick of like, yeah, every Thursday on Zoom. So that's when I um, started hosting workshops and was like, okay, I'm going to create a space where I'm just going to run out of space and I'm going to host a workshop where people can come and they don't have to think about it. They don't have to stress about it. They don't have to plan anything. They just have to show up, be willing to try something new. And I'm going to teach them how to make something and they can have a drink and a snack and socialize and feel better leaving than when they arrived. And that was the goal. Did and you... it was, I'm not like a crafter. Like I think, um, I want, I don't want to sound mean, but a lot of people will be like, Oh, like wine and paint night. And I'm like, no, nothing like that. Like it's the opposite of that because wine and paint night is literally just about like drinking and having an activity to do yeah. while you're drinking. But like, and then you put that painting in your closet and you never see it again. Yeah. I want my workshops to be something where you like surprise yourself by what you're capable of making. So you make something you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I made this wreath or I can't believe I made this charcuterie board and I want to share it with people. And it felt really good. Why did it feel so good? Maybe I should do something like that more often. So now I host creative workshops. That's my full-time job. I quit the hospice company last August um, to do this full-time. So I'd been doing both for two years. And it was just like I was hosting workshops every night and all weekend and then working nine to five. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, now I do them privately and publicly. So I'll do like team building, do like a charcuterie workshop for a, a corporate team building. Okay. Um, I'll go to people's homes and host creative workshops, bring all the stuff they need. Um, I do a lot at like businesses, like boutiques to kind of bring in business to their business as well by hosting a workshop in their space. Have you only recently incorporated sobriety into your stuff. Was that a scary thing to do? (laughs) So scary. Like sharing it on my Instagram was so scary. I didn't share anything about it until I reached three months because I was just still so uncertain about what it was or how, how I felt about it. I still didn't know. It still kind of felt very much like a scary chore of like almost like a punishment still of like, I'm a bad drinker. So I have to quit drinking. I hadn't yet seen like the beautiful side of like, I get to be sober, you know, which sounds pretty lame, but it's true. Like it was just like, I mean, you get it now, but people (laughs) who don't drink are like, okay. But it's like, yeah, at first you're like, God, I can't drink. And then it's like, what an amazing gift that I don't need alcohol and I can really experience everything. Like you feel superior. Yeah. Which also, you know, is going to make people roll their eyes and be like, what a bitch. But it's like, you really do. You're like, you still need alcohol. I don't. 
Yeah, it really holds a mirror up to a lot of people, unfortunately yeah. for them. <laughs> oh, but anyways, yes, I was very scared to share it because even my Instagram still and my business, um, you know, I, in addition to needing a therapist, I probably need like a marketing expert um, because it's just so intertwined with my personal life because it just started as a space of me sharing stuff. Yeah. And then it turned into a business. But what people connected to was me and how I was approaching things. You're so it's hard brand. to, I'm, uh, um, it's hard to separate that. But then I knew like I needed to share this part one, because I wanted to be honest, but two, because of how ashamed and lonely I felt when I quit drinking and feeling like there was no one like me. And the first time I shared it, the amount of people that reached out and were like, Oh my God, this is so relatable. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now because it was unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? This is crazy. Then why aren't we all talking about it? Why is it so shameful? And why is it the only thing in the world that, you know, that's an ex exaggeration, but like that you're making a decision for yourself to better your life. And it still feels like embarrassing or shameful. Like there's nothing else like that. We're like, Hey, I'm starting to work out. And people yeah. are like, Ooh, what happens? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the first time I shared it and the response I got, it was like, okay, I have to lean into this, not for a business purpose, but for the benefit of one person that's going to be like, Oh my God, I could quit drinking just because, I want to because I could have a better life. So then I just kind of randomly shared it here and there, um, like on milestones or if I had like an experience. Um, <clears throat> and then it was this last month, maybe last year. Um, there was like a couple of things I didn't get invited to that were like pretty drinking based and like hurt my feelings. And then in my head, I'm like, you know, it shouldn't hurt my feelings because it's if someone maybe they think they're doing me a favor, one of being like, yeah, why would Laurel want to come to this party bus? You know, we're all just yeah. getting wasted or two. Maybe it makes them uncomfortable to have me there, which I get it because I fucking hated sober people when I was drinking. I'm like, what a weirdo. Like, what's she yeah. doing here? She's like, really yeah. making me feel real stupid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I get it. But then my friends went on a party bus like last month for a birthday party and they were talking about how awesome it was. And when we got home, I told Greg, I was like, I want to plan a sober party bus. And he was like, do it. Saw that. And I was like, I just, <laughs> I just feel like if I'm sitting here and like bitching about it, why not just see what happens? Yeah. And so I just kind of went around trying to feel it out and like ask these people if they were willing to participate called the party bus, which I did not know how much party buses were. So like, I eventually need to buy my own bus. Let me know if you know anyone. <laughs> but the way, like, I was so scared to put down that $200 deposit because I'm like, is anyone going to sign up for this? Yeah. I have no idea. So I like paid the $200 deposit and was like, I got to get at least 15 people to sign up in order to break even on this. And the first time I shared the idea, Again, it was like wild. Like five thousand people saw the reel, which is like a big deal for me. I'm yeah. like an I'm an I'm an influencer. I'm not an influencer. 
And so like so many people saw it and shared it and were sending me messages like, this is amazing. And I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought there would be like that small crew of people that follow me on Instagram who have yeah. already told me that like, Hey, that's what I, I was like, I might have to go out to the other side of the state. This is a great idea. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought it, I literally thought it was just going to be like the few handful of people. And it was people who I've never connected with before. Yeah. Um, and then it, it sold out in four hours, 31 wow. tickets. Wow. Yeah. And, and then I'm just like, it's crazy. Like people are like, oh, that, you know, you should, that's amazing. You should be so proud. Like from a business standpoint, that is amazing. But yeah. from like, a sobriety standpoint it's like okay that's awesome. we gotta this is a big deal people want it and it, i don't know it feels really important to like make that space for people to feel included yeah i'm curious because i have an idea of, of what yes. this will look like but what's the do you know the gender breakdown it's all girls on this first one. <laughs> I thought as much. But I I kind of thought that because I did like a boutique shopping stop. Yeah, yeah. Which I was like, you know, who would want to do that? And I would like to have it be more open to males. And yeah. um, I already have the next one planned. Tickets are going to go on sale next week um, for October. And we're going to stop at, um, I guess it's still kind of like feminine. We're stopping at a yoga studio. We'll start with like a mindful meditation and stretch before we like hit the party scene party scene um and we're gonna go to a place called aroma labs where you like make your own custom scent and then we're gonna go to a bookstore that's like a bookstore and a coffee shop and they have mocktails and then we're gonna go back to a venue called wind and james it's just like really cool and eclectic and we'll take pictures there and make mocktails but i want it to be more male yeah approachable because i think it's probably even harder for males yeah i mean you add in that the the idea of masculinity and that whole stupid fucking thing that's yeah <laughs> um and i i figured as much too because i write for a sober magazine um called oh. the sober curator i do like reviews of na beers and stuff like that and uh the readership for most of its lifetime was like 70 30 women and now it's actually like balanced out. Uh, and I think the NA beers contributed a lot to that because, um, you know, guys need the beers yeah, <laughs> and so on. For sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think I think there's opportunity out there. I think it's definitely like a space if I if I wasn't working a full-time job in grad school, doing a podcast and other things, I would I would 100 percent steal your idea and do that out this way um because i think it's we such can do a it together awesome so then I'll, I'll carry a lot of the load but you can help me well yeah i mean if you're if you're up for it i'll send you some ideas of you could stops you could do that i think would in, be more inclusive of both genders but yeah if that's something you want to do but i i know your, your whole brain do something lady is kind of feels like which is fine i want to sh- shift out of that yeah, i don't but, say that you know, in, with any like... sort of shade that's, yeah, that's fine. I know. Um, but yeah, I, I love what you're doing. I'm so glad that you agreed to do this because you could have just continued the ghosting and I wouldn't have thought twice about it. So I appreciate it. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I, uh, uh, I know that message request folder well and <laughs> I've avoided it myself. Um, 
but yeah, I, I appreciate it. Is there anything we didn't talk about? That God, you I feel like we're all over wanna... the place. This is going to be a real, a real ride for someone. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, I wanted to tell you too, before we, before we disconnect here, the reason I was asking about like thinking about the future, like when you were a cop and stuff like that is I, that was all projection of my own shit. It was like, I was never like, if you were like, what's, where do you see yourself in five years? It's like, what? I don't know. A, dead. Maybe I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> um, and not in any sort of like morbid way. I wasn't like, you know, doing heroin yeah. or anything, but, uh, it's never something that I really had. And it took years of therapy to discover like it was all tied into my self-worth, which alcohol obviously played like some role in that. And once I started valuing myself, I was finally able to be like, Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start a graduate school program at like almost 40. And I'm going to like, I'm going to be a therapist and I'm going to start this nonprofit. And and like, I could finally see a future for myself and it was 100% tied into my self-worth. And so I I asked that because I was like, I wonder if she relates to that at all. But well, now I do. I don't think I've been able to like put that all into perspective that way but well, there's some food for thought <laughs> i think that makes sense and yeah i think also like it took that long to feel like i was doing something that felt you could picture longevity with you yeah. know yeah for sure yeah awesome. well thank you for doing this yeah thank you i think i think we have to do a um an east side sober bar crawl yeah i'll so have we'll to that come up with some ideas um part of me wants to just incorporate a lot of nerd shit like we'll stop at this comic book store <laughs> but uh and it's gonna be 100 male <laughs> hey from that aspect we could use a more gender like bring women into this we'll meet halfway we'll do there yoga we studios and comic books um i like it i like it well, awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank yes, you I so hope much. Um, my baby doesn't ruin your your sound check, and you don't have <laughs> no, to. You're good. <laughs> spend and, all day editing out his coos or his coughs. Okay. All right. I'll Thank talk to you, you. later. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, you just listened to my interview with Laurel. That was wonderful. I was a little thrown off. I had to get used to, and I'm you guys heard the whole time, Cooper. Her her son Cooper was there the entire time. And um, just for a little uh, snippet of what was edited out, here's Cooper. So I had... <laughs> Had some fun editing out that one. I wanted to keep that one. That was the that was the longest coup of, of all of them. Um, but it was, it's just something I had to get used to. And, and it's really funny. Her, Laurel, her account, you know, her, her brand is do something lady. And part of me is like, take a, take a quick break, lady, do something for yourself. You see, uh, Really, really remarkable. Um, I almost wanted to put a BetterHelp ad in this because of the amount of time she talked about wanting to go to therapy. Um, Obviously, love that, given my future profession and this podcast and myself and, you know, everything. 
Also, Laurel, if you're listening to this, I owe you some sober bar crawl ideas. I, d- I realized when I was editing, I was like, I do not send those, nor did I look that up because I've taken too much on and I have no free time for anything. <laughs> such is life, right? But that is such a great idea. And I think her second one that she talked about is coming up this month is already sold out as well. So it's going so well. I love that that is a thing that's happening. I've since heard about other places that are having it like Chicago and I love it. I absolutely love it. The idea of a sober bar crawl and all the different places you can go and the the friends and camaraderie and you're all on this bus and having a good time, but nobody's like, you know, getting shit faced and blacking out or being an asshole. I mean, you might be an asshole sober, but that's, that's beside the point. So that's, really cool. I'm glad she's doing that. Um, if you guys go to her website or her, uh, Instagram, do something lady and look at her and then think about the fact that she was a cop. It is wild, especially like in any sort of bad area. I was like, Laurel, you are tiny. How did you do that? Um, (laughs) was a fun interview. And we talked about something at the end that I wanted to kind of bring up because very recently I had a profound kind of life-changing moment that I will forever remember um, because it it seemingly like so insignificant and impacted me so heavy that it's just going to be a part of me and we're talking about valuing yourself at the end there and I was in class the last week and my professor he was playing a little game I don't know if I, I don't know if it's a game more of an exercise I guess but he was having people essentially compliment another classmate that they've had classes with you know say something you admire about them something like that and after I hijacked the class for 45 seconds to explain what I had drawn on the board. The professor said, you know, who, who's had classes with Justin before, which is pretty much everybody. Cause that's what happens when you're in a small program. And then he singled out one person. He said, tell me like how you experienced Justin, you know, in class as a person. And this, uh, this woman, described me in the way that I would describe me if someone asked me, Justin, how do you wish you were perceived by people? And I immediately teared up. Um, I felt both more seen and loved and it's it's really difficult to put it into words so i'll try to relate this to anybody listening that might be like there's a lot of pauses in his story um (laughs) you know we all we don't know what we look like to other people right we don't 
we don't know that. We see ourselves in the mirror. We have our inner monologues going on. Um, if you have any insecurities, you're familiar with the storytelling you probably have about what other people think about you. Um, and if you're like me, it's probably not positive. So you wish in a perfect world that you are presenting yourself in this specific way, but you don't ever know if that's actually how people perceive you. And to hear somebody who I've had half a dozen classes with describe me in the exact way I wish I was being perceived tells me that A, you have done the work, Justin. You're, you're out there, you're doing it. You're not coming off as arrogant or like manipulative or you're not coming off in the way that you negatively tell yourself you are, but you're actually being perceived in the exact way you wish you were. And it's the most validating experience I've ever had. And I'm not doing it justice in this storytelling, but all of that stems from self-worth, right? Like, I would not be able to present myself in that way if I didn't value myself. And it's, I've gotten to this point where I've almost gotten ahead of myself, you know, like I'm valuing myself more than I'm aware. Um, and not in like a bad way. See, I automatically have to defend that. Like not, in a, I'm not being cocky about it. Um, and so now it's just like my insecurities and my self-esteem that's got to catch up because everything else seems to be right where I, I wish it was and it is. And I am really proud of myself for that. And I'm very grateful for that moment. Um, I guess I'll leave you on that. So I, I, I hope you guys have a great week. Happy October. I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.